Wrestling fans, this April in Jacksonville, Florida, the Spartan Combat Nationals are returning. Wrestle a different style each day, April 8th through the 10th, 2022, at the Spartan Combat Nationals. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. Now let's get to the show. You haven't won anything yet. Nothing belongs to you. Everything we do is an opportunity. And your job, your duty is to go out there and compete as hard as you possibly can. And if you do that, you'll have peace at the end of the day. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredients. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Kyler Sanderson, two-time All-American, once at Iowa State, once at Penn State. He now runs the Sanderson Wrestling Academy out in Utah. I love this conversation. We talk about some of the attributes that make Penn State great. We talk about Kyler's career. Just a lot of wrestling involved here, folks. Hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Jeremy Buffelli. That's Warm Buffelli on the gram. He's a dad, he's a wrestling enthusiast, and he's a husband. Jeremy, thank you so much for the support. And that's it, folks. Let's get to the episode with the great Kyler Sanderson. Well, Kyler Sanderson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on, sir. Yeah, happy to be here. Excited to have you. I, I see you got the Sanderson Wrestling Academy of Parallon. We're going to dive into that and in, in the academy you're running out in Utah. But just from doing all the research on you, the name that comes up over and over again is the secret ingredient, Steve Sanderson, your father. Tell me about some of the philosophy he instilled with you growing up throughout the sport. Uh, yeah, um, my dad just, you know, I think a lot of the successes that, that I was able to have in the sport and successes that my brothers have had and continue to have come from the things that he taught us and the philosophies and, and the ideas that he instilled in us from a young age. I, uh, when I think about the things that he taught, um, there was just always a, a push to never be satisfied and always, always try to improve, you know, I mean, it all wasn't really about winning and losing all the time. You know, we obviously wanted to win. We were all very, very competitive, but, um, he just pushed us to get better every single day. And I think that you see that, um, 
a lot in, in the Penn state guys and, and my brothers are just always striving to, to improve from day to day and from year to year. And that's what makes wrestling fun is the, the, the opportunity to get better every day. That's one of the, the things that, that makes it so enjoyable and, and keeps us coming back for more. Yeah. I love the quote that he said in, in one of the articles I found that he would tell you guys before you got to a youth tournament, we didn't come here to win. We came here to fight. Right. That's... And that was what was expected. That was what was expected from my parents. Uh, you know, if we went out and we got beat by somebody who was better than us, it just, it was okay. You know, it is what it is, but the expectation was that you go out there, you give a hundred percent effort, you fight your guts out and, and you try to do the things that we've been practicing and working on. And if you do those things, then, then we're doing what we're supposed to do and we're going to make progress. And eventually we're going to be where, where we want to be. And he got his wrestling acumen primarily from BYU or was he just like a lifelong learner, your father? So he is a student of the sport. He still is. He's been coaching wrestling for close to 50 years. And I mean, yeah, I shouldn't say that. He'll probably kick me, but he's been coaching the sport for a long time. And he, he actually recently retired. Uh, so I've, I've conned him into coming down and helping me a little bit. And even still, even after coaching so many state champions, so many great wrestlers over the years and, and building programs, he always has a notebook. He always has a pen. He's always trying to think of the best way to do things. He's trying to evolve his knowledge and, and, and grow. Um, but he, yeah, he wrestled in high school a couple of years. Uh, I think he started as a sophomore and then he went on to wrestle at BYU. He was a tough wrestler. He was a whack champion. Uh, so back in those times, they only placed six wrestlers at the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. So now we place eight. And according to today's standards, he would have been an all American his senior year, which is kind of cool, I think. Um, but yeah, he, he just took what he knew and, and continued to build off of it. And he continues to, to evolve his knowledge. And, and that's, I, that's why I wanted him in the room is because I feel like, I mean, he just has so much wisdom that can be passed on. You know, it's hard to, even if you have had some success in the sport, coaching the sport for 50 years does something a little bit different for you. You know, he's seen it all. And so I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, to work with him a little bit now. It was Wasatch. Is it Wasatch high school? Wasatch, yeah. Was were they a power before your dad got there? Uh they had had some good kids, I think, but they they weren't a uh, a powerhouse, no, not by any means. And he it took him some time, but he built that program with a lot of help from great people in the community from the ground up. And you know, since then they have been a dominant program in the state for you know, ever since I think Wasatch has had something, I think they've had seven top 10 teams in the country, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I think he's had several top, my dad, when he was coaching, when my brothers were in high school, there were a few top five teams and they were the only team in the country in the top 10 that wasn't 
either like a prep school or, um, you know, just these, these big schools, you know, everybody on the team was right there, homegrown, home raised, home taught, and just built in that program, which is pretty impressive. That's amazing because like you said, a lot of the schools outside of the Blairs, but even like some of the, the Catholic schools in Chicago, like Montini, a lot of times those kids don't live in that town or, you know, are part of that system. Sometimes they are, but for you guys, everyone was literally just started from scratch through the youth program that came up for that Wasatch team. Right. And most of, most of those wrestlers went through what they called little wasp. It was the Wasatch wasps. <laughs> and so they had little wasp wrestling and my dad worked his tail off to, to build the youth program. And I know when I was a, a young kid, I mean, it's not a, it's not a big town. It's, it's very small or it was at that time. It's growing like crazy now, but you know, there were 400 kids in the elementary youth program for this six week, two month program. No. And then, so he would go to all the elementary schools. He would put on assemblies. He would bring his wrestlers and, and, and do like a little show and get the send home flyers. And they, they had everybody in town coming and, uh, took a lot of work, but he was able to, to do some amazing things. And what's the high school state tournament like in Utah? One class, two classes. Oh, uh, we actually have six classes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's one of the worst things that we do to our state by far. It's, it's painful. Uh, it, I think that it makes it harder for our kids to compete on a national level because they don't, have to, you know, it's just not the same competition to be a state champion. So you don't have to be as good and you can, you can get in there and win. Um, so the guys from Utah who really want to get to that next level, if they're not getting out and wrestling in the national events and being consistent about it and, and training hard, you know, in the club and in the high school season, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to move beyond and get to the next level. I mean, it, there's got a lot of guys doing it, but they, they, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of college coaches at our state tournament. That's crazy. Six to, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny how some States do that. I mean, every, every state seems to be adding on divisions now, except, you know, Jersey and California holding strong, which is the one, which I think is, is pretty special. It is. And, and, it's actually a huge blessing. I, I feel to their, you know, why their kids are very competitive because, you know, you, you have to get in there and fight just to be a state champion. Yeah. Which, which is, was, is awesome. You know, I, I wish that, you know, and I don't know if every state needs one division, but if they had two divisions or three divisions or, I mean, three divisions sounds fantastic to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but when I was yeah. coming up through Illinois, we had two and that was perfect. And now there's three and you, you would think that there's like a travesty happening here amongst the old guard, like 2010, they announced Illinois is moving to three. And it was like, a whole, it was, it was painful to see, you know, three's not that bad in a big state like Illinois, but man, two was perfect. Big 24 man bracket. And it really meant something to get on the podium. Oh yeah. Yep. Now, when you think and- about your dad's youth club and kind of starting that from scratch, how do you think about youth development? Like when you're teaching some of these guys, are you starting with stance? Are you starting with mat wrestling? What's your philosophy there? Uh, you know, a lot of the things that I do are 
uh, patterns after the things that he did. Obviously, there's some there's some changes there with with my own perspectives and my own experience. And and, you know, I hope that I'm like him and in that I'm always trying to evolve and grow and 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 better the process of, of what we're doing. But, you know, we something that he did and something I really strive to do is just be very fundamental, you know, especially with the young kids. Um, a lot of stance, a lot of defense, uh, a lot of good head position, just those things that even when you watch at the world level, they're still winning. Right. I mean, I think almost any shot, any, you can have an ankle pick, you can have a single, you can have a double high crotch, you know, fireman's, whatever it is, you see a guys have success with any type of shot at the high level. And so, uh, I'm not as focused on, you know, teaching them all the moves. Um, but what every single one of those guys has, no matter what shot they do or what their great technical, um, I don't, I don't know what their, their specialty is. They all have head position. They all have stands. They all have great baseline defense. You know, they can all um, score from a front headlock, you know, just fundamental things that every wrestler should, should be able to do well. Um, you know, and then once they have those, those things down and they're pretty successful with them, then you can start throwing in some flash and some flare and some, some tricky, tricky stuff. But the reason I ask is I recently got interested in jujitsu and one of the leaders there is John Donaher. He's just a master coach. And he is like big on starting whatever sport you're in. You start with getting out of the worst position. So in jujitsu, it's getting out of full mount, right? In wrestling, it would be getting off your back. And I was just thinking about that. No one really starts with that. I don't know if it's the right approach, but I want to get someone like your with your coaching acumen's take on it, like starting with kids getting off their back. So they have no fear of going to their back. Uh, you know, it's funny that you should mention that because my dad was down, has been at practice the last few weeks. He's been at our high school practices and, and he's like, have you been teaching guys to get off their back yet? I'm like, no, why do I need to teach these guys to get off their back? I mean, if they can't get off their back, then I mean, they got to know how to do that already. And he's like, nope, they don't. They don't know how to get off their back. You got to start them on their back sometimes and teach them how to bridge and teach them how to get out of that position. And if you'll start some of your drills with guys on their backs, um, you'll have way less guys getting stuck there, even your best guys, because the best guys still get tossed on their back from time to time. You know, and some of them haven't been there for 10 years because they're so good. Mm -hmm. But when they are there, they don't know how to get off. They're they're not going anywhere. And so we actually built some, some bridging drills into a few of the things we were working on. And it was, it was pretty awesome. It's funny but, you say that. Cause I tweeted that and people were saying like, why would you need to, if they're on their back, they've already lost, they're in trouble. I'm like, yeah, but they're going to end up there eventually. Like someone's going to go there, you know, and if they'd never been there, it's even more scary to think about, you know, as a kid. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, there's definitely positions like that that are worst case scenarios that we focus on. And then we kind of build back. I mean, I want to show them the right way to do it. Let's, let's say, for example, you're, you're teaching a single leg. I mean, I want guys to shoot hard, finish hard the right way, but they're going to get stuck. They're going to get put in a shin wizard. You know, they're going to get on their belly, you know, with their arms extended, 
So we do spend a lot of time in those worst case scenario positions because they're going to be there. Um, we don't want them to be there, but they have to know what to do if, if that happens. And, and so we definitely build, build from the worst positions at times, I would say. I mean, I have never really thought about it like that, but, but I can, we definitely do things like that at times. So are you coaching at the high school as well as running your academy? Uh, no, I do not coach high school. I just, I coach, uh, just, uh, I, ha I have a couple high school groups. I have a junior high group and I have an elementary group. And then we have kind of a pre-elementary group. And so during the high school season, it's, it's very difficult to, I mean, they have their season going on. They have their coaches that, that are helping them and they have their own schedule. So I, I really kind of, I don't have much access to them during that time, which is, which is fine. You know, I try to get them in the room once a week, maybe for just technique. I don't train the guys hard during that time. We don't drill hard. You know, we'll focus on specific positions that I feel like high school kids are getting stuck in um, consistently. And, you know, we'll do that for about three or four months. Uh, with the high school guys, we start in September. We go September, October. We have a solid preseason. We have a few guys going to Super 32, and we send quite a few guys down to the Freak Show in Las Vegas, which is a pretty solid tournament. Mm -hmm. And then once the high school states is over in 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 February, I think, yeah, we get started again in March. So, and then we go March through May, and then we have a crew that goes all the way through July for Fargo. Mm -hmm. And then we always take August off. We, we make sure that that time is um, free to, to rest and recover and do the things that they need to do. It's awesome because, you know, I noticed that after Penn state, you went into a career in finance for a little bit, and then now you're running this Academy and, you know, here in Chicago, wrestling academies are big business. And, you know, over time was like, the first one. And now Sean Bormet, who started that's the head coach at Michigan. So it's like, it's a real, obviously a big model. And you're, you're, you're doing that in Utah. Are there a lot of academies in Utah doing something similar? Uh, there's a couple, couple clubs and a couple of guys that are, that have started solid programs and, and a lot of just regular club teams still like mm -hmm. from the high schools and then maybe two or three more like academy type programs um so not a lot yet but you know we're we're starting to have guys move back to utah that have been successful at, at the college level and and if they're not coaching um college somewhere then you know they get sucked in somewhere and start coaching um so andrew hockstrasser i don't know if you remember yeah. andrew hockstrasser yeah he's got a he's got a club down about an hour south of mine maybe a little further down, but, uh, he's a great guy. Um, he's been doing his for just, I think one year less than us, but he's got a, a good little squad down there. He's got some tough guys. Nice. I was going to say, as you talk about the Utah scene, probably a long shot, but is there ever any talk of bringing wrestling back at BYU these days? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think if they were to do that, they would have an incredible amount of support. I think that that it would wouldn't be hard to raise the money, you know, to to do that. And I don't know. I it, it's tough in those big universities to know if there's ever gonna 
they're ever yeah. going to bring those sports back. But Utah actually just added a junior college program, um, which is awesome because we've only had one program in the state for, you know, 15 years or so we've had Utah Valley, mm-hmm. but now they they've added a, a junior college uh, down South in Southern Utah. And so hopefully that'll give more Utah wrestlers the opportunity to, um, you know, wrestle at the collegiate level and and then move beyond and go to division one or two or whatever. Um, so everyone's pretty excited about that right now. That's huge. Cause like you said, you know, a lot of guys maybe aren't ready for the jump right away. And so Juco, they could transfer out and land at some of the big, big PAC 12, uh, you know, big 12 schools. Now, yeah. when you go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we, I, I think it'll be a huge springboard for a lot of our guys and, you know, and, and when you're in a state like Utah and there's only a one program close, and if you're not in that program, you really have to go somewhere else to wrestle in college. So, you know, and some guys maybe aren't sure if that's what they want to do yet. Um, and so they go and they hit that junior college and that's the springboard and they decide, yeah, I, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to wrestle at the, you know, college level. And so that's a great opportunity for them to get to that next spot and know that it's what they want to do before they commit to, you know, move into Pennsylvania or wherever it might be. Right. So what's that program called? Just so we can follow it from afar. So it's snow college, snow college, shout out to snow college on adding wrestling. I love it. Yeah. Now you went to Iowa state before going to Penn state. And I remember you came in because Nick Fanthorpe was an Illinois guy. Was he part of that freshman class that you came in with? Yeah. We're the same class. Yeah. He's a legend. Um, and so you came in there, obviously your brothers were coaches there. What were some of the standards of excellence of the program that you noticed from like months one through three at getting to Iowa state? Uh, man, you're going to, you're going to test me. I got to well, work, on, I'm, my me- work here's, on my memory. Here's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I read the, uh, I read that there was some rule that if you weren't five minutes early, you were late. Is that, is that, is that rumor? Or is that truth? Oh, I, I'm pretty sure that was, that's always been a rule in, in, uh, my brother's programs. And I know that was a, um, a rule in my dad's program. I know sometimes when guys would show up to late to practice, he'd just send them home. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting ready to do that too now. Cause some kids are starting to tick me off, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, and, and you, if you go to Penn state's room now, I mean, you show up guys are there early. They're there 20, 30, 45 minutes early, just getting stretched, just getting loose, just getting ready, getting in the right mindset, ready to, to go. And so, yeah, if you're showing up, if practice is at three and you're showing up at three, there's a problem for sure. And Kale was the coach when you were there or was he an assistant? Still? So he was an assistant. Yeah, I was, oh, I was, okay. yeah, I was recruited by coach Douglas and Kale was, a, uh, I don't know what he was, a second assistant or, or something at that time. And then Kale became the head coach the year after my redshirt. So actually my, my freshman year, the first year I competed, he was the coach. Got it. Okay. And what about coach Cunningham? How, how long were you working with him there? So coach Cunningham, uh, I can't remember if it was the first two years or the first three years that Tim Hartung mm-hmm. was the coach was there, um, from Minnesota a great coach uh and then whenever he didn't want to coach anymore 
that's when when Kale reached out to Casey. And I, I think I think Casey was at yeah. Iowa State for one year, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, he definitely was there for a year. Got it. So I think he was there. It would have been Kale's uh third year coaching, uh being the head coach. That's when Casey came in, I think. And I ask about him just because everyone who talks about Penn state, obviously they talk about your brothers, but they also talk about coach Cunningham, coach Varner. And, you know, coach Cunningham is someone who you, unless you really study it, I didn't know a lot about, you know, his career at central Michigan. And now he just seems like one of the best coaches in the country bar none. And I, I always just like getting guys take on what kind of impact he had. Now, I don't know if you worked with him enough, if he was your guy, but I'm just curious what you picked up from him over your years. Yeah, I, I did work out with, with um, coach Casey quite a bit and, you know, he just, he's got a lot of great technique. He loves wrestling. He loves wrestling with the guys. He loves getting in there and, and working through problems. Uh, you know, if you have a technical problem, something you're, you're not figuring out, he, he loves giving you options and, and helping you, you know, figure out what's going to be best for you. And he loves beating up on guys. I mean, if I remember one thing, I just remember him holding me down for like an hour and a half straight <laughs> and just grinding his forearm into the back of my head and, and just, you know, toughening me up, you know? So I remember there was one practice where I think he was trying to get me to quit. Like that was his goal that day. And I was down and I couldn't get away from him. I mean, Casey's a monster on top coach Casey and I remember Kale walks into practice or walks in back into the wrestling room. It was an hour almost after practice had ended and Casey was still on top of me, still riding me, still grinding me out. And I was, you know, jamming him, jamming him in the eyeballs with my thumbs and trying to choke him and trying to bite him and do whatever I could, <laughs> but neither of us were going to give up. And then Kale's like, what are you guys doing? It's, it's time. You guys have been in here for like two hours, go home. So that's one of my, my best memories of coach Casey, but it was great because, you know, didn't really get ridden very often yeah. after being underneath that, that monster. There's nothing worse than getting ridden, let alone when it's into yeah. the hour mark like that. Oh, uh, it was, it was painful. And he, he is probably the strongest human being uh, in existence. I mean, you look at him, you might not think that, but some guys just have this weird strength that I don't know where it comes from, but he isn't mm -hmm. so strong. He's a freak. He seems like this to use a to use a quote from a former podcast, like a mystical figure, unless you're really in the circle. And uh, just seems like just an awesome guy, an awesome coach. And look at look what all his guys have done. It's amazing. Yeah, now, you know he's great. When, when even when Coach Douglas was the head coach, was Kale running the practices, or was your was Bobby still no. out there running the show? Yeah, no, he was definitely the coach. I mean, just like in any program. I, I feel that the assistants are going to have days where they're in charge and they're running things and they're, they're focusing on something specific, but coach Douglas was definitely the man, the man in charge. He's, I, I just love talking to him and love hearing stories about him. You know, whatever generation it is, they all, you know, whether it's Arizona state guys they, who are coached by him or Iowa state, they all say he's just, he's direct and his preseason workouts were no joke. Is that something you experienced as well? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I love coach Douglas so much. He was, 
well, obviously I'm quite a bit younger than my, my brothers. Kale's the next one in line closest to me. It goes Cody, Cole, Kale, me. And there's a seven year gap between Kale and I. And so when Cody went to Iowa state and was recruited by coach Douglas, uh, you know, I was like eight years old, eight or nine years old. And so I had a relationship with him from the time I was eight or nine years old, all the way until he recruited me in to college, my, my freshman year. And so I have a lot of great memories of him. Just, uh, he used to come out and do our camps all the time. And he probably has more technical knowledge than, I don't know, any, any other 10 human beings on the planet. Wow. Coach Douglas knows more about wrestling than, than any, any other person I've ever met. He just knows technique. He knows, he knows so much and, and he could still move, you know, don't let him fool you. When he's like walking around. He's like hobbling around and, and uh, you know, he looks like he's hurting, but he would still, when I was a freshman, he would wrestle with Nate Gallick and <laughs> they would go like these short goes. And I'm pretty sure he beat Nate Gallick every single time. He was a, what? like, he I can't even imagine getting in his stance at that age. Though even even at like seventy or whatever he was, he was faster than probably anyone on our team. He's a he's a monster. So <laughs> and we'd be remiss without giving props to his incredible fanny pack game, the original fanny oh, yeah. packer. Yeah, he is. He is. And the other thing I remember about him is, so when I was in elementary school, I was kind of nerdy and I was in the chess club. You know, I love chess, and I played Coach Douglas. I don't know fifty times in chess. He smoked me every time from the time I was 10 years old to the time I was like in college. He is a, (laughs) he is a masterful chess player. Maybe that has something to do with his, his uh, wrestling knowledge too. He just has one of those minds, you know, those tactical, brilliant, brilliant minds. But I mean, what he did at Arizona state is um, uh, he's has to be, I mean, what he did at Arizona state in in 1988, winning the team title, it's just amazing because that was during the, the era of Gable and then Iowa State won in 87. But, I mean, th- to bring the Sun Devils back then who were way under-resourced to a national title just shows you how good he is. Yeah, no, he, he's an amazing human being. And um, he's really one of the treasures of the sport that I feel like not enough people know. I mean, especially young kids. I mean, you, everybody knows who's, who's good now you know, but there's, there's so many people from, from the past that were incredible wrestlers, incredible coaches. I wish we need to put together like a, uh, a wrestling history course, you know, and yeah. USA wrestling needs to do something like that. And in order to get your USA card, you got to pass the test. You got to know who, you know, Bobby Douglas is and the rest of these guys and know what they did and their, their impact on the sport, something. Cause I, I think that knowing the history of the game is, it's, it's just, you should know it. It's, it's part of, it's part of what you are and what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish. And it's important to know who's gone before you and, and be grateful for the contributions that they've made to the sport, you know, and no a lot of names get, a lot of names get forgotten. Uh, especially with the younger generations, there's always names that are going to be at the forefront because of the, the impact that they had and it gets carried on, but there's a lot of people who we need to remember. Here's one for me that youth kids now, they don't know who this guy is, but he was one of the nastiest. Greg Jones from West Virginia. Oh, yeah. 
dude, just unbelievable. Any other ones come to mind for you? Uh, I'd have to think about it, but I, I have, I have all these old wrestling cards. Um, well, they, they had the wrestling cards when I was a kid, they came out with this wrestling game. It was like a deck and you could, you could get your favorite wrestlers and then you would, you could actually have wrestling matches with the cards. You could put like down two points and three points. And I can't remember exactly how you played it, but it was so fun. And I love going through those old decks of cards and just looking at those guys that were good when I was a little kid Mm -hmm. and, or before that, you know, because they would throw some, you know, they would throw some older old school guys into, into the deck that were even, you know, way beyond, beyond that. And it's fun to go back and look at those and, and see all those old names and, 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 and just see, man, this guy's an Olympic champion. Never even heard of him. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. That's, there's a lot of them out there and I've got a couple, I've got a, I've got coach Douglas. I got one of his wrestling cards on my, on my desk at, uh, at, um, at the op or at the gym. And, and then I also got a Danny Hodge card and a couple guys like that. Yeah. So pretty legendary, man. I mean, he, you know, coach Douglas two time Olympian, I think. And like, we're talking like 68 Mexico city, old school, you know, and he's seen a lot. He's been on the show a long time ago. I'd love to get him back on. It's just been tough to, to coordinate with him, but yeah, what a, what a legend. And you know, he's seen, he's seen it all. And, and when you were there, you talk about your progression at Iowa state, your breakout year came in 08. What do you remember about your battles with Michael Chandler during that, uh, that big 12 season as a junior or sophomore? Uh, excuse me. Yeah, we had some good fights, good, some good battles. You know, he's a tough guy. And, um, I mean, we wrestled like five or six times. We're probably around 50, 50 or something. I don't, I don't really remember exactly, but he was a tough kid. It was, it's fun to, it's has been fun to see him be successful in, in the MMA, uh, and just, um, watch his progression and, and, you know, I'm very happy for, for his successes there. It's, it's fun to see guys that you competed against. And there's a few guys that I competed against in college that have gone on to be big names in, in MMA. It's like, man, we used to wrestle all the time. Now you're like famous. It's weird. <laughs> right. And I, I just read that you guys wrestled in the big 12 finals and it was like, it was a barn burner. And like you said, you guys had had a bunch of matches that year and he's just one of my favorite fighters, the way he trains and conducts himself. So wasn't sure. If yeah. He's, stood out. he's a super, super good dude. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was a fun match. I, I still remember that match with big 12s. I mean, it was, it was tight. Um, I think I ended up getting a takedown to take the lead somewhere in the end. And, um, but it was fun. He had beaten me the match previous to that. He, well, he had beat me in the, in the duel. Um, I think I can't remember, but I don't know my, my memory of my own wrestling and my matches, I have to really like think and go back and look. I'm like, dude, I don't even, I don't, I don't remember anybody I wrestled really. I mean, I just, I have a terrible memory when it comes to that stuff. So sometimes it's good because I don't dwell on it, but sometimes I'm, I, I can't even, it's like, I can't remember even the NCAA tournament. I don't even remember who I wrestled half the time. It's funny. Cause some wrestlers are one side of the coin or the other. They're like you, where they're like, you don't remember a lot of the details of the matches of their own career, but then some people they're rattling off matches from sixth grade. And I'm like, dude, the memory on, on them. And they remember what they weighed and all of it. it. It's funny. Wrestlers are like 50, 50 on that. Yeah. Yeah. Now when you, your junior year, 
you you all American as a sophomore, junior year did not all American, and then senior year got back. What what looking back now, like as you guide your own wrestlers, what was the big change from your junior year to your senior year, just in terms of your mentality? And I know there was a lot that went on with the move to Penn State, but just kind of looking at mentality and how you're approaching the sport, what were the biggest differences? Yeah, I you know it, the thing from the things that I learned. So I was round to twelve all American, round to twelve all American, okay. and um the my freshman year the guy that I lost to in the round of 12 I actually tech followed him in the U.S. Open like two weeks later that sucked because I should have been all-american that year and then the guy kid that beat me in the round of 12 uh my junior year I think I think that was the only time he beat me in college I think I beat him three or four other times so and a lot of it comes down and I, I feel like the reason that didn't happen for me, I mean, could have very well, could have very easily been a four-time All-American, but it's just focus and and distractions and, you know, really knowing what it is that you want and 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 what you're trying to do. I think it's very, very easy for, for kids to um, put more weight on things than is necessary. It's like, yes, I, I want this really bad, but I, I can't, I can't tie my whole identity and, and everything that I am to whether I win or lose. Cause if I do that, it's just, it's not fair to myself, you know, and, and maintaining a greater purpose in your life, you know, for me, you know, God, family, those types of things. Um, and knowing that at the end of the day, no matter how, what the result is on the wrestling mat. I know my parents love me. I know my, my father in heaven loves me and that I'm doing the right things. Just maintaining that perspective really helps you to compete in a way that's free in a way that is, um, allows you to just go out and do what you know how to do. I think, uh, I mean, I had a lot of stuff going on, um, around my junior year that that was was difficult outside of wrestling and then the move uh was i mean i'm grateful i went but it was also difficult for me very difficult because i left my whole team and um i mean we can talk about that later i guess but let's get into it so i mean did you move like when kale and your brothers left or were you there way after they were no i i went when they went yeah so i mean well let me finish my thought on that and then we'll go there. I just, I just, I think maintaining your, your clarity and, and what you want and who you're trying to be, and then just allowing yourself to go out and compete freely. Those are the things that I wish I had done better because I feel like I was capable of more than the results showed. And, you know, my, my senior year, I mean, I ended up like sixth at NCAAs, but I had beaten, a couple guys that placed above me at the national tournament that year. Um, you know, I, I, I think that I was very capable of, of, of being a national champion and it didn't work out that way for me. And, and, and that's why that mental just being focused and enjoying what you do and, and not putting too much stress and pressure on, on yourself is, is very important. Like you got to win and you got to care, but you also, got to just go out there and be willing to just pull the trigger and let it fly and, and do what you love. Um, and it's hard 
to teach that to kids. It's hard. It's hard even when you're in that situation to, to do that. Uh, but I, there's things that I know now or that I've learned in the last several years that I wish I had known then because I think I would have had a much more sex, successful career um, at the college level. You know, and then it, it was a difficult change for me. I mean, I, I remember I was one of the first people uh, that that Kel told that he was considering um, making a move. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure he told Cody and his wife and, you know, the, uh, those people and Casey and, and stuff before me. Uh, but it, it was tough, you know, and, and I considered whether to stay at, at Iowa State because I loved Iowa State. I love Iowa State. Uh, I had great teammates that are still great friends. And, you know, you spend four years in a program and then you are going to decide, okay, today I'm going to stay in this program I've been in and with my friends and the team that I've trained with, or I'm going to go with my brother, you know, across the country and go somewhere else. You know, it's not an easy choice. Um, And in the end, you know, I know like looking back in my life, I'm, I'm more grateful that I got to spend that time with my brothers than having been at Iowa state, you know, I, it, I, I know I made the right choice, but it didn't make it easy. You know, starting a new program as a senior, not knowing really anyone on the team, maybe one or two guys, it was, it was a change, you know, it was a, definitely an opportunity to grow and, and to become a better person. So how surprised were you the first time you heard that he was considering a move? Uh, the first time he mentioned it to me, I was very surprised. Uh, not, I mean, looking back and knowing the full details of the situation, maybe not, but in that moment, I remember just being, yeah, very caught off guard and not really, yeah, not expecting it. And then just having to kind of deal with that mentally for a couple of days and then being like, okay, you know, like if you, if you make that choice, then we'll all definitely con- consider going with you. And what was actually very interesting, we had a solid class that had been with Kale for four years, you know, me and Varner and Zabriskie, Fanthorpe, uh, Mueller, uh, Gallic. There was a lot of like guys that were in that group that were just solid. I was literally the only one who could transfer and be eligible like at that point in school because of like the credits that would needed to transfer and where we are in our, where we were in school. And somehow they were able to get me in where a lot of those guys, had they tried to transfer, they would have just, they would have had to stay at Iowa state, even even if they had wanted to leave because uh, the school wise, it wouldn't have worked. Right. And so, you know, I look at that and I, and I think to myself, you know, sometimes you know, you're being looked out for in small ways that you don't really, you don't see, or you, unless you really look, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone in the wrestling world remembers where they were at when they heard the news. I know I do that, that Kale was going to Penn state and maybe at first we thought Ohio state and then Tom brains, Ohio state, but you know, it all worked out in the way it is now. So you get out there. I mean, do you have any friends on campus that aren't wrestlers or is that part of the challenge you were alluding to? I, I had none. Yeah. I didn't know anyone. 
I mean, and I, and on Penn State's team, I ended up having some great friends in Penn State. Uh, but when I arrived, you know, the only one I, I, well, there was a couple guys I really knew well, you know, I knew, well, I knew Dan Valamont because we had competed in high school and just kind of been friends throughout college. I knew Dave Irwin. Um, I don't know if you remember him. He was a good guy. Mm-hmm. And, and the other guys, I obviously knew their names. I know who they were, but yeah. hadn't spent any time with any of them. So those guys ended up being good friends of mine. And Brad Pataki, Brad Pataki was a great friend of mine. And I knew Brad Pataki. So I don't want to leave anyone out, but. Um, <laughs> so and obviously when a new coach comes in, the guys who are there from the old coach, you know, sometimes there's, there's, it, it's hard for those guys to adapt to the new way of doing things. What was that transition like? in terms of the new coaches coming in and instilling their, their program on guys who had been there previously. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how they felt, uh, but there were definitely some changes, some guys that didn't stick around and because there was a higher standard being mm. implemented. Um, and there were guys who left some good guys yeah. because they, it, it just wasn't the right fit for them and that's okay. But I think that that's appropriate when you come into a new program, you know, you're trying to establish a program, you're trying to establish a culture, a mentality, a way of doing things. And guys who have been, you know, doing things one way for four years, three years, whatever it is, they may have a hard time adjusting. And so, you know, I can see how that was probably tough for for some of those guys. But I think that the coaching staff did a fantastic job of coming in and establishing expectations. And that was probably one of the things that allowed them to hit the ground running. You know, they, their one year, my senior year, we were like fifth or sixth. I can't remember. We were okay. And then I graduated. And then that very next year, I mean, they won a national title. Uh, they had a lot of great young guys in, um, but had they not come in and, and really, said, this is how we're going to do it may not have happened, you know? Yeah. What are the expectations? Is it around winning? Is it around effort? Is it around how many times a day you're working out? It's really hard to explain. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with effort. I think a lot of it has to do with commitment to the sport, loving the sport. Um, just respect, you know, there's, I think everyone on the team is very respectful of the coaches. They trust the coaches. They believe in the coaches and, and they just, there's some things about Penn state that they're able to do. And I don't know if it's singular for just them, but I, I think that the way that they have established the culture of the program, they're able to bring the best out of guys. Hmm. You know, I hear from people all the time, all oh, Penn State's just good because they got the best guys. Okay. Right. There's a lot of great guys who've gone to schools who haven't done anything. Right. Right. But, and maybe they get some great recruits, but they take those great recruits and they keep them great and they develop them. And, you know, it's not about, for them, it's not about getting the best recruits. It's about getting the right recruits. And I think that's the mentality. It's, it's not about the best guys. It's about the right guys who are going to fit into the program, who want the same things, who have a very similar perspective on competition and, and practice and love the game. And, you know, 
I think that they're very good at seeking out those guys who will fit that, that mold. And that's not a technical mold. It has nothing to do with what moves they do and, and how they do it, but it has to do with the way that the kids compete and, and the way that they feel about the sport itself. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Penn state is able to do things, you know, it's not like they're teaching better moves, you know, I mean, it's not like they're better technicians than John Smith or whoever Tom brands, you know, everybody's got fantastic technique. I think it's just, there's, there's some, there's some key factors there that really help them be successful mm. that I think have a lot to do with the culture and the way they interact with their wrestlers and the way that the coaches themselves interact with each other, I think is something that's very unique to Penn state. And you haven't mentioned the G word yet. Gratitude. That seems to be a, a present theme with Penn state. How does that factor into the equation? Uh, yeah, that's, it's just part of, you know, I, I'm not even sure where that came from. You know, what's it mean know. to you? Like when I hear that, I hear that a lot, right? I read a lot of self-help books. In fact, my whole library is basically that you read it. Sometimes you know what it means. Sometimes you don't. What's it mean to you guys? For me personally, I just know that living a gratitude filled life has had a very positive impact on my day to day and the way I feel from moment to moment. I think sometimes people hear this gratitude and they think, well, yeah, I'm, of course I'm grateful for like my, my family. And, and, you know, I'm grateful that I'm healthy and I, that I, you know, I have a house and those things and, and you should be grateful for those things. But what really made a difference for me is, you know, at the end of the day, asking myself, what am I most grateful for today? And it was little things. And just recognizing the little blessings that you have in your life every single day, because every person has them, um, allows you to live a life of like, I would say happiness. I heard this quote recently and let me make sure I get it right. But it said, um, happy people aren't grateful. Grateful people are happy. Hmm. And Basically, it's just it's it's this this love for life, this love for opportunity. You know, you're if you're grateful, you're you're grateful to step on the mat every day to lace up your shoes, to breathe air, to to go to work and to fight and do the things that you love. Like every moment is opportunity. It's not like, dang it, I got to go to practice. Dang it, I got to go to work. Dang it, you know, I got to hang out with my kids or whatever it is. Every moment is just a blessing. And when you see life as a blessing, it doesn't matter whether you come from the greatest circumstances or not, or whether you are the best wrestler in the world or not, or whatever you, wherever you are in life, Mm -hmm. having a grateful heart and a grateful mind will improve the way that you feel, the way that you live and train, change your trajectory. And I mean, I've read a lot of studies and it's, it, it's been proven over and over that a brain, like someone who really expresses gratitude and exercise does gratitude exercises. It actually changes the chemical makeup of their brain. It changes Mm. their brain completely. And they literally become happier people, not just like, you know, figuratively it it, it's happening on a chemical level. And I, I just think that it's, it's so fascinating. And 
and just think, you know, just think if you're a wrestler and every day you're grateful to step on the mat, you're grateful to compete, you're grateful for all those things, you know, you're going to compete in a much different way at a much higher level than if you're doing it begrudgingly. If Mm -hmm. you're, I got to freaking cut weight. I got to do this. I have to do that. It's like, I get to do this. I don't have to do anything. I get to, it's a blessing. I mean, man, there's people in this world that are just trying to find food today. Right. I get to like, I get to go wrestle and like live this life. I mean, I don't know. It's really hard to fully, fully explain, but it's just, it's a life of blessing and not a life of burden. And that's why people need to really buy into it. And did people you, who do buy into it, it makes a difference. So did sorry. you buy it? No problem. Did you grow up with that? Or is that something that hits you when you got to college and started hanging around your older brothers? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I, I, like I said, I, I'm not sure when that really started getting emphasized, but I was grateful for my parents growing up. I was grateful And maybe that was something that they instilled in us. I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. but I know that I was grateful for the time that my parents spent for the effort that they put in, in a way that I was willing to to follow them and and do the things that they asked me to do, because I knew that they were putting in a lot of effort. You know, when you're a kid and you see your mom and dad working three jobs a piece so that you guys can just go to tournaments and have new wrestling shoes. Well, like your perspective changes. Mm -hmm. I remember my dad getting up at like 5 a.m., going to wrestling practice, then going and working as a teacher and then going to wrestling practice and then eating dinner and then going to a hotel and working half the night just so that we had money. You know, did two jobs like like, that? He did for a while. Yeah. Wow. My mom was working hard like that too. And especially when my brothers were young, they just, everything they did, they did for us and they put so much effort into us without any expectation in return other than that we give our best. And I think that just instilled that mentality from a young age. And then throughout my life, there's been moments, every moment of struggle and and difficulty, I feel like has been overcome by being able to take a step back and count my blessings and recognize the goodness and not focus on the, the down. And then Kale, uh, you know, was it, and the coaching staff there, they really emphasized it hard. Bonnie, I don't know if you have ever heard of Bonnie, but she's no. kind of a, she's a um, Bonnie Epstein. She's, she works at Penn state. She works with the wrestling team. She's kind of uh, a mental coach, if you will, for them. And she's fantastic. And she focuses a lot on gratitude as well. So there's a lot of people kind of pushing this same idea and it, you know, it, it trickles down to the athletes and, and hopefully beyond that. But you, I think you see it in the way that, that they compete. You know, when you're showing up at the NCAA tournament, you're grateful to be there and you're grateful for every opportunity. You're able to go out and win matches in the NCAA finals that you shouldn't win. Yeah. Well, it's like the epitome of, you know, whenever you're loose, you're feeling good, you're going to perform better. Not saying those guys are always like, super loose and carefree, but if you're not so stressed out about winning and losing, I got to imagine it's a real freedom to compete that way. Correct. And, and I think gratitude is part of that, right? You know, putting expectations in their, in their place, first of all, 
you know, you haven't won anything yet. Nothing belongs to you. Everything we do is an opportunity and your job, your duty is to go out there and compete as hard as you possibly can. And if you do that, you'll have peace at the end of the day. And just understanding that and being grateful for it allows you to do it. I mean, yeah. you know, it allows you to compete in a way that's, that's healthy and fun and God-given opportunity. And I, I see a lot of young kids, and especially when we go to some of these big, nasty youth tournaments, and just, it's like, you need, to, your kids need to be taught how to win. They need to be coached how to win. And you should expect them to win because that's a result of hard work and effort and doing the right things, you know? And if you don't want to win, then you're never going to win. Mm-hmm. Like you got to hate losing and you got to want to win. But, you know, watching parents, sometimes the just like parents who know nothing about wrestling, being so upset at their kid for getting beat by someone who's just clearly better than they are. Yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense, but their perspective's bad. Their perspective's wrong. There's too much pride. There's too much um, lack of understanding of what's actually being done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, wrestling, I mean, your, your podcast is how wrestling changed my life. Right. Yeah. And I think that if parents and, and uh, wrestlers really considered the opportunity that they have through this sport to become better people uh, that it would change their perspective. You know, I, I personally in my life believe that wrestling is a vehicle and by vehicle, I mean that it is a way to help me get closer to God. Like my goal is to be as close as I can to my father in heaven. What is wrestling? It's an opportunity and an opportunity and a blessing to help me learn how to fight and become better and become closer to him. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Whether it's wrestling or ping pong or chess or whatever. It's just, it's all that pursuit of becoming better. I love that you shared that man. Cause that's, that's part of that mentality that a lot of people look at as like this mystical thing that's happening there. You see guys, you know, having fun, enjoying themselves. So I know every uh, person who talks about Penn State mentions fun. And I use it, you know, just that that's what it looks like from the outside. Everyone's having a good time. Not saying that Spencer Lee's not having a great time with, uh, with DeSanto and Kemmer. I'm sure they are too. But it really looks like consistently Penn State's doing that. And I got to think gratitude's a big piece of it. I think so. And I, and, I, and I think that the word fun I think we have a lot of words like this in our language or just in general that are very uh, poorly defined, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, what does that even mean? Does it mean like sitting on a beach, drinking a diet Coke and eating cookies? I mean, what's fun. I mean, and I, I think that what's fun is competing as hard as you can peacefully and being yourself in tough situations and, and fighting hard in tough situations and, and coming out on top and, having, you know, trying to be your absolute best. That's fun. You know? And I think people are like, Oh, Penn state has fun. They sit in the corner and tickle each other and giggle all day. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's not what it is. That's not the, that's not the meaning of the word. So it's weird that our sport embraced not having fun for so long as the way to do it. (laughs) That's the weird part about it. You know, it's like, well, why wasn't it always fun? Well, and I, I mean, I think again, it comes back to like the meaning of that word. And I, 
think that people maybe I, I'm sure that there's people who had fun. I'm sure Dave Schultz had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but even just accomplishing something that's fun, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's different ways to look at that. Absolutely. They've, they've definitely changed the focus, but, or, I mean, made it more apparent that that's what the focus is, but it's, I don't know. It's cool that other youth coaches now can see that though. And they don't have to be like the hard ass all the time, you know, whereas growing up, that was a little bit more the theme the, you know, the tough guy mentality at practice. And that's still important, but it's just really, it's a relief for wrestling to see it evolve. And man, you look at how we're doing a, across the country at the age group levels, we've never been better. And there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of momentum tied back to that, that crazy day back in April, 2009, when, when the move was made. And I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that. Any last yeah. words on your club? If folks are listening from Utah, like how are they going to get interested and involved with your, uh, with your Academy? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my, my goal is just, we have lots of goals in our program, but we obviously want to be the best we can be at the sport. You know, we want to be successful. We want to give kids the opportunity to accomplish their goals and dreams and be the best they can be, you know, and alongside that, the goal is to help kids be the best people they can be. And, you know, we have 120, 130 kids in our program, something like that. Wow. And the reality is, is that not every single one is going to get a full ride to visit vision one scholarship, you know, to Penn state or whatever, but every single one of those kids has the opportunity to come in, to work hard, to learn how to pick themselves up, to learn good principles, learn how to fight, to learn those things that are going to change their life and, and make them better and make them tougher. And, you know, my, my last little uh, plug, I guess, is, is, is just a thought that I know that my dad has shared with people on multiple occasions. And, you know, we as a family, we had quite a bit of success, especially at the high school level under my dad. All four of us were multiple time high school state champions. Everybody won Fargo. Um, world, I was the only one that wasn't a world team member. I mean, my brother Cole, a lot of people don't know him, but he was like a multiple time world team member in high school, you know, a couple time Fargo champ, just a monster division, or he was like the number one recruit in his class. We were all the number one recruits in our class. And, you know, we were able to do a lot of good things under my dad. Uh, Kale obviously went on to be very successful and, and stuff, but you know, there, there's a question that gets asked a lot. It's like, I mean, how, how did you, how did, how were they all able to do that? And, uh, my dad always gives the same answer. And, and he just says, I was just looking for an opportunity to spend time with my sons Mm. and his perspective also, I think allowed us to complete compete very freely. I mean, my parents are competitive. Like there's no question, very competitive, but I genuinely believe at the end of the day that they were just wanted to be with their kids and spend time with them. And whether we won or lost, they were there with us, um, happy to go to the tournaments, happy to do anything that we wanted to do just so that they could spend a life spending time with their kids. And that was probably the greatest blessing of the whole situation is the time spent with family. And that was the focus. 
And I believe that that was also what allowed us all to be successful. And so, you know, if you have a young son or daughter wrestling, you know, let the coaches coach them and you just take the opportunity to spend time with your kids on these trips and they'll be more successful. Well said. What a nice, what a nice concept to think of, like put it in that term. Like just, you just want to spend more time with your family. That's why they're doing it. Yeah. Love it, man. Kyler Sanderson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really enjoy the conversation. And I hope we meet at a tournament soon here this season, my friend. Yes, sir. Sounds good, man. Thanks for the opportunity. It was fun. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. To see video clips from this interview, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was proudly presented by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are returning to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th, 2022. Register now at SpartanCombat.com.